Stress is like religion. Everyone has it, but no one wants to talk about it for fear of other people's opinions or judgment. I got so much flack for saying that on YouTube, especially by the religious folks. But when I talk about religion, I'm not talking about it in the traditional sense. I'm talking about it in the sense of a pursuit or something that someone ascribes to, something of supreme importance. That could be religion. And when it comes to stress, it's something that impacts our lives daily. But most people don't want to discuss it because there's some kind of communal shame around it. There's this guilt factor that comes in with that communal shame. And it makes people feel like they shouldn't complain about their stress. But did you know that fatigue may not be caused by inadequate sleep? In fact, fatigue could be caused by this cycling of depression, anxiety. And believe it or not, that depression or that anxiety, that emotional roller coaster that's driving it could actually be stress. Hi everyone, I'm Del Tom. Thank you for tuning in to the Social Work Journal. Today, we are going to talk about stress. Now, for those of you who are just tuning in and this is your first time ever listening to the podcast, I am a licensed clinical social worker, Casual, and then we know this is not a therapeutic exchange. This is more of a place of healing where we could talk about our experiences. We can look and see what the research says, and then we can dive into some solutions. And I even share some of my own personal stories. So without further ado, let's jump right in. Let's talk about ways that we can kind of normalize stress. Well, see, the thing is this, most adults have stress and it's unavoidable. And I was reading this article called How Much Time Do Adults Spend on Health-Related Self-Care? Results from American Time Use Survey. And what this survey demonstrated was that people were more likely to engage in self-care if they had stressors such as health-related issues than people who were younger, people who were relatively healthier and people who didn't have any stressors as it pertained to their health. And why is that? Because you're almost forced when you're sick or when you have some kind of terminal illness or when you're older and your body just physically can't handle as much as your body can when it's younger to engage in more self-care. So let's kind of look at some of the numbers. Let's take, for instance, sleeping. Waking hours spent alone or with others between May to December 2019 and 2020. Now, if we were to look at the waking hours of somebody between 20 and 24, it was about 14.55. What does this statistic tell us? Well, basically what it tells us is that there are certain age ranges when people are getting less and when people are getting more sleep. Well, let's take for instance, people who are 75 years and over, their waking hours were 14.93. The only other waking hours that were comparatively under 15 hours was from 15 to 19 years old. So what does that tell us? That people who are developmentally in a stage where they're just required to get more sleep, maybe because they're growing, their minds are expanding. We all know that under the age of 25, typically 
the amygdala is still forming. So you're still working on building some of those cognitive skills. So it doesn't surprise me that the only age ranges that I saw here were people's waking hours were under 15 hours per day on average in 2019 was the age ranges of 15 to 19 and 20 to 24 and then 75 years and older where people are at their most fragile state. Also, when we look at stress, there's some other factors. There are different types of stressors that contribute to our daily stress. So we have to look at sociocultural stressors. I mean, think about it. Racism, sexism, economic downturns, political changes, military crisis. Whether you know it or not, those stressors impact you every day day. And then there's organizational stressors such as hiring policies, layoffs, market shifts, organizational priorities. I think we've kind of talked about it. So we know that majority of us work and because majority of us work, we experience a lot of our stress from our job because we spend a lot of our waking hours at our job. So if you think about it, some of the things that might cause you stress that we just talked about, layoffs. What if you've put 10, 15 years in a company and you feel like you have poured your heart, your soul, your hard work, your skill into that company and then that company somehow fails and they have to lay everyone off. You feel like you have to start all over. That is a stressor because I'm pretty sure you built plans for your life around having that job and now you have to make that shift or shift in the market. Everyone who was investing in a 401k plan is cringing right now because the market is terrible. And so people are starting to shift their thinking and they're starting to wonder to invest. Is it even worth it? You know, maybe you want to invest in something else like real estate. Everyone is saying these days, invest in real estate because in the next five to 10 years, it may not even be affordable for people to buy homes. These are all things that we think about daily and they impact our level of stress. Now let's look at some interpersonal things, divorce and separation, family conflicts, financial difficulties. These are things that cause us stress. And I don't think there's one person that's listening to this podcast right now that hasn't had financial stressors, that hasn't had family conflict. I hear people say all the time, I wish my family was more functional. I wish my family would work together. We're just always fighting. And then they want to get away from their family, which causes more stress because community helps us alleviate our stress. But when we isolate ourselves from the community, it makes the stress worse. It exacerbates the stress. Let's look at some of the psychological effects of stress. Mental illness, cognitive or behavioral ineffective coping skills, poor sense of self-image, poor communication, and addictive behavior. If you guys are wondering where I'm getting this information, there's a table, it's called Occupational Stress Evaluation Grid, and it was prepared by OSEG, and I will make sure to put a link to it in the description of today's podcast episode. Check me out on Apple, Google, Spotify. If you're listening, you already know what platform you like to listen through, but I'll definitely have that link up there for you. So when we talk about these psychological factors, let's take one at a time. If we're unable to manage our stress, we're definitely going to have a poor sense of self-image. We might start going into that negative self-talk. 
And that's where the cognition or the behavioral or the ineffective coping skills comes into play. How many times have you blamed yourself for the stressors that you have in your life, even when they're factors that are outside of you? We do it all the time and we don't mean to. It's just that we're trying to find meaning. We're trying to find answers. Why is this happening to me? You know, if I had just done this, then things would have worked out so much better. If I had just thought about this other thing that I didn't think about, because how was I supposed to know that was going to happen, right? There's those distortions, the shoulda, woulda, coulda. Then my outcome would have been much better. That doesn't make you feel better. It makes you more stressed because you're criticizing yourself. There's things that we can't prevent. There's things that we can't change. But in life, it's not about what happens to you. It's about how you respond to what happens to you. Because someone else could go through the same experience, but because their response was different, maybe their level of stress was different. And I mean, even if we got into the physical aspects of stress, there are certain psychosomatic symptoms that we could have in stress that feel like a heart attack. It could feel like, oh, I'm so depressed. I'm so anxious. And maybe... You're not actually depressed or anxious. Maybe you're just not able to access that ability to tap into your problem solving skills. And if you're not able to tap into problem solving, then there's no way for you to manage that stress. But let's talk about what would be the barrier to tapping into problem solving. Number one is not validating our feelings and the people around us not validating our feelings. Have you ever told someone about something that was really stressing you out and their first inclination was to go right into advising you? Maybe they tell you, you know, you really got to give this up. You know, if you didn't talk to these people who are in your family that are stressing you out or that are being so mean to you, things will work out so much better for you. You've heard those things. You know, since you don't like your job, why don't you go out and get a new job? All these things that they're telling you, you know that they're true, but they're not helpful because number one, the person did not stop to acknowledge your feelings. They did not stop to say, oh man, you know, I'm really sorry that you're going through this or even sharing some of their own personal experiences, I think develops more of a community around the stress and normalizes the stress a little bit. So you don't have to feel like something is wrong with you because you're the only person that's experiencing this stress. When in fact, everybody experiences stress not just you. So I'll give you an example. I had a situation where I used to work at a job and the people who I worked with, they were very nasty, point blank period. There's no way for me to get around that. And I would try to co-ruminate sometimes with family members, sometimes with friends. And the first thing they would say is, well, you know, you have to leave work at work. You can't bring work home. Now, this much is true. You do have to find a way to compartmentalize. But for that to be the first thing that I heard, do you think I felt better or worse about the fact that not only was I experiencing these stressors, but then I was more stressed about being stressed about these stressors. And I didn't want to be stressed about these stressors. It would have felt so much better if whomever I was speaking to was like, oh girl, I know exactly what you're talking about. I have been there. And you know, it's just so unfortunate that some people come to their job and treat other people so mean, but their behavior is not about you. So since I wasn't getting that validation from others, I had to 
first learn to validate myself and reiterate to myself. And this is something that I tell my clients all the time. Other people's behavior is not about you. It's about them. It's like if you were sitting down in your office at your desk doing some work and someone walked in the room and just start yelling at you. You can't tell me that there's something you did to make that person do that. Their behavior is about them, not about you. But they want to make you feel that you did something to create that situation. And that can't possibly be true. So you always first have to validate, hey, something terrible just happened to me (laughs) and it was alarming and I didn't like it and I'm trying to make sense of it. It's okay, you don't have to have answers for it. Validate yourself first, acknowledge those feelings first. When I learned how to do that, I was able to manage my stress much more. But how did I get to a place with family, with friends, with even acquaintances when I do need to co-ruminate and I do need that communal support because I can't always be the person supporting myself. I started asking for what I needed. I started telling my family, my friends, hey, you know, I really appreciate you being there for me. I really appreciate the fact that you want to help me problem solve, but I'm not there right now. I'm not there yet. I just need you to listen. Or I might say, I just need you to validate what I'm going through because I know you've been through it too. And believe it or not, what that opened up was the next part that I want to get into, which is that communal part that really helps you manage your stress. And they started sharing their stories. See, I do this podcast not because I just love talking or I just love to hear the sound of my own voice, but because I believe that this podcast is a place of healing. When we share our experiences, when we go through the research, when we talk about how these everyday issues impact us, but there's theory, there's research, peer-reviewed journals, there's articles that support that, hey, your stress is normal and there's nothing outside of what you experience and stress that other people don't experience too. Hey, are you feeling anxious? Are you feeling depressed? Don't over-pathologize yourself. Guess what? Everybody experiences anxiety and depression sometimes. It doesn't mean that you have an anxiety disorder or that you have a depression disorder. It just means that Maybe you are having a problem and you have not gotten to that problem solving state. So we got to start with validating. Through this podcast, we are sharing our stories. And in sharing our stories, we are normalizing our experiences. So it's very important to, like I said, we got to validate ourselves, right? We got to acknowledge how we're feeling. And then We got to make sure that we reach out to that communal support. It's so important. But most importantly, before you try to co-ruminate, understand within your heart that things that are outside of what you can control, that are out of your Purdue, they're not your fault. They can't possibly be your fault. And as soon as you start making other people's behavior or outside factors about them and not about you, the sooner you will be able to tap into that problem-solving state. And that's the paradigm. Because I can tell you, it's not always feasible to hop up and get a job. Like in my experience, when I was working at the place where people were being very nasty, I couldn't just say, okay, I'm going to stay here for a year. I'm going to quit my job. I had too much tied into that place. And it's just like what we talked about earlier in the chart, the organizational stress. 
It comes along with us sometimes being tied to that workplace because we put a certain amount of energy or effort, or maybe there's something that we want to get out of that job. And so the advice, you need to find another job. I know I need to find another job, but that's just not feasible for me right now. I've got to make this work until I can move somewhere else. Some of us even have problems getting other jobs. What are you supposed to do then if you can't find anything else? especially if the market is not doing so well. The point of all of this is that every single one of us experiences stress. <laughs> it's like religion. Everyone has it, but no one wants to talk about it because we don't want to be judged. We don't want other people's opinions about our stress. We want to be validated. We want to know that our feelings and our experience is normal through that co-rumination, through that community. And it takes some time for us to get to that place where we tell ourselves these outside factors are out of my control and I accept that. Sometimes we even need to hear that from other people. <laughs> but let me finish telling my story, how I ended up problem solving that situation with my job. So since I realized that people were being kind of nasty, I started making the experience my own. I wouldn't say that I was isolating myself from my coworkers, but what I started to do was I started to maybe just keep some things for me. I started to say, what am I here to do with my clients and prioritize that? And I stopped prioritizing the communal aspects of wanting to work with other people. I started to focus on my own craft and how I could be a better social worker for the clients, how I can improve the effective communication with the staff who enjoyed working with me and who were cooperative with me, and how I could develop better relationships with the parents of the clients and the students that I was working with. And through that, what I did was I built an example. And through that example, others started following suit. Even people who I worked with who normally would be nasty to me, who didn't like me, they started wanting to be part of that community that I was building with the people who were willing to communicate with me, who were willing to work with me. So I just want to wrap up today's podcast by saying, if you're out there listening and you're experiencing a whole heap of stress and you feel that no one understands you, I want you to know that people do, but they're scared to share their story for the same reason that you might have been not sharing your story lately. They don't want that judgment. They don't want that opinion. And sometimes you have to lead by example like I did and teach people how to validate, how to acknowledge Engage in that positive self-talk of helping yourself understand that there are outside factors that are out of your Purdue and that other people's behavior is about them and not about you. And when you get into those habits, then you will feel comfortable co-ruminating and redirecting people when they get into the habit of judgment or over-advising or not validating you. And through that, they learn to communicate their needs and share their story with you, which builds that community. So whatever you do, if you're stressed, don't isolate yourself. It will further you into a state of depression and anxiety. Do those things that we talked about and build that community. And you will see that you'll be able to cope much better with all of your stress. That's all I have for you today. But thank you for joining me. And I can't wait till we discuss something else. I think we might do the next episode about validating, but we'll see. Until next time, bye-bye.